But, you know. All righty. Let's talk about this thing called communication. Lack of communication is the number one cause of all failed marriages. According to the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, this is the cause. In a recent poll of several dozen law firms, over 50% of divorces are a result of social media. Whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. When we look at the underlying problem, the underlying problem is actually communication. I had to learn this the hard way. Lee and I, before we went on the road, we made a covenant that we would go on a date every night or every week at least once a night. And my mother would come over and she would keep the kids and her and I would go out on a date. And when we, we would go out on a date and she'd be sitting across the table from me and I would be doing this. Uh-huh. She grabbed my phone one day and she laid it on the table and she said to me, Shane, if I wanted to go on a date with your phone, I would have invited your phone. See, what I was doing is I was communicating to my wife that what was behind this screen was of more value to me than her. And that's exactly what we do in this thing called community when this occupies our time. When's the last time you looked around your dinner table and saw how many people were looking at this device rather than each other? If you don't communicate well with your spouse, they may succumb to the temptation to find what is perceived to be communication, better communication elsewhere. When we were in Social Circle, Georgia, um, well, no, that's not where it was. It wasn't Social Circle. Anyway, it was in Georgia. I can't remember right now. We've been to a lot of places. We were in Georgia at a summit, and this lady comes up, and she gives a testimony of where she was in a virtual affair. She never touched the individual, but she got in contact with one of her friends from high school on Facebook, and they began to communicate and share things with each other they shouldn't, communicate, they shouldn't share with anyone else. And she had sought forgiveness from her husband and then she stood before her congregation and she sought their forgiveness for the relationship, the affair that she had with another person. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. This thing called communication can build a relationship or destroy a relationship. So let's talk about this thing called communication, raising the standard of communication. What are some prerequisites for good communication? The first is time. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. This is one of the prerequisites for time. You've got to be willing to give the other person time. The second is trust. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. The other person needs to know that we, this conversation is bathed in love, and they can trust us in this conversation, meaning we're not going to hold against them what they share with us. 
How about transparency? James 5.16 Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power at its working. Again, this is the picture of being hot, honest, open, and transparent with your spouse, with your parents, with your children. When you share with each other, how transparent are you? I've given you guys the opportunity over the last few breaks to to live out this thing called community with each other. How transparent have you been? Brother Shane, you can't dare ask me to be transparent because if I'm transparent, then other people are going to know that I've got problems. Can I tell you a secret? They already know. If I, go, if I get up in the middle of the service and I go to the prayer room, then everybody else is going to know that I've got issues in my life and that I'm not fine. The reason that we don't want to be transparent before other people is because we don't want to invite people into our claustrophobic little world, population one. I don't want to run the risk of looking vulnerable Does the other person really know what you're saying? Well, let's talk about some words that we must avoid. Words that we must avoid in this thing called communication. First of all, how about lying words? Lying words. This means that you make promises that you don't really intend to fulfill. This is really big when it comes to children. Dads. Many times we'll tell our children, well, maybe tomorrow, when the truth of the matter is, is we don't intend to do it tomorrow. We just said that to get them off our backs. Proverbs 12, 22 says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delight. How about silent words? Silent words. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. We're all guilty of these silent words. See, it's like, like Pastor John has been going around all morning with the, the, the donut flakes in his beard and nobody has said a word. <laughs> or how about the guy that, that has, a, has his fly down and nobody says a word? You know, tell you something funny? I've taught this several times, but one time not too long ago, right before I started this particular session, my wife comes up to me and says, Honey, your fly is open. I had run to the bathroom and walked out without without zipping up my fly. Not too long ago, I was at a Love's truck stop. We became truck stop groupies, okay, since driving that big thing, because we can't stop anywhere else. We have to stop, stop at a truck stop. And so whenever I stop at a truck stop, you know, I try to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible, right? Remember that? And, and so the truck stop, I, I've, tr- I've, I've calculated how we can get this truck stop th- thing done as quickly as possible. And because that's my mentality, I'm cutting things out so that I can get this done. So I go to the bathroom, and I, I, I get done real quickly. I run over, and I start washing my hands real quick, and I run out, and I grab my, my, my water, and I grab my snacks, and I go up to the counter, and I put them down, and... The guy rings them up, and then he tells me what the price is, and I said, okay. And I do like this to reach down to get my wallet, and I look down, and my, my belt and my button and my pants are wide open. <laughs> so I just said, excuse me just a moment. Here's my card. What else am I going to say, right? 
Those moments where God keeps you humble. Or how about the guy with the rip in his jacket? Who's the last person to find out they got a rip in their jacket? The person wearing the jacket, right? We just, we're just not willing to say anything. Communication is important, and sometimes in our marriages, we use the thing called the silent treatment. A man and his wife were having some problems at home, and were giving each other the famous silent treatment. The husband realized that he needed to wake up early the next morning to catch a business flight, but he didn't want to be the first to break the silence. So being the wise man that he is, he left a note on, the, on his wife's bedside table that said, please wake me at 5 a.m. By the time the bright sunshine roused him the next morning, it was 9 a.m. Furious, he threw back the covers and he shouted to his wife, who was nowhere to be found, Why didn't you wake me like I asked you? He broke the silence then, didn't he? And that's when he saw stuck to the lamp on his bedside table a note in her handwriting that said, It's 5 a.m. It's time to wake up. (laughs) It doesn't take much to make us angry and creating emotional distance from each other. But it does take great, courageous effort to fight through the silence to a place of forgiveness and a place of oneness. How about corrupt words? Corrupt words. Our words become corrupt with the tone of voice that we use or by saying something with the intent of getting something in return. Many times, the tone of our voice speaks much louder than our actual words. Or many times when we communicate, we're communicating manipulating words. Do you know that children learn that? Actually, I'm sorry, they don't learn it. They're born with it. <laughs> my, my little girls um, are, are just programmed to manipulate. They do it with their eyes. Daddy. And so my wife has to sit them down and explain to them, now, honey, what you're doing with your eyes is you're trying to manipulate your daddy. And that comes from your flesh. That comes from the fact that you're a child of wrath. And that's not of the Lord. So we need to be careful that our tone and our body language doesn't try to manipulate. How about hurtful words? Hurtful words. Like, get over it. How could you not know that? Suck it up. You're acting like such a baby. Here we go. Big boys don't cry. Really? How about foolish words? I had to learn this the hard way. My wife went through a season in her life of dreadful fear. She was overwhelmed with fear. Crazy fears. And I didn't understand it because I couldn't relate to her. And so in great wisdom and discernment, I made this statement. It is absolutely asinine for you to be afraid of that. Can I share with you, that did not go well for me. Those foolish words. I'll tell you how sovereign our God is. Many times we go through trials. Why do we go through trials? We go through trials to grow us, and then we go through trials so that we can minister to others. Which, you ready for this? Ultimately, your trial is not even about you. It's about ministering to others and the glory of God. So, God took me through a season of dreaded fears, crazy fears. I would be looking out the window, and a police car would pull up in my office parking lot, and I would honestly become so consumed with fear, they're coming to take me away. They're going to put me in jail, and I'm going to lose everything. 
And I hadn't even done anything wrong. But those fears consumed me. Why in the world did I go through that? I believe I went through that so that I could minister to others that are consumed with fear. How about joking words? Sometimes your jokes are just not funny. Especially men, if your wives are the brunt of your joke. I had to learn that the hard way. I'm a cut up. I'm the class clown. I'm the jokester. And many times my wife would come to me and she'd say, that wasn't funny because I was the brunt of your joke. So what are some words that we should adopt? Words that we should adopt. How about truthful words? Truthful words. This is especially in the area of correcting sinfulness or rebellion. Grandparents, you have a, tr- you have a tremendous opportunity here to speak these truthful words into your grandchildren. How about edifying words? We've got to remember to build up our spouse and our children. We, this adds value to them. Words like, I'm proud of you. You did such a great job. We want to make sure that we're adding in at least two or three positive words for every negative word that we speak. Guys, can I tell you, this is not a, not a strong area for me. I have to work really hard at this. When my children do what I expect them to do around the house, they just do what I expect them to do. What do I need to tell them for? That's my thought process. It's sinful, but that's my thought process. And so I have to actively go to them and say, Honey, I want you to know I'm proud of you. You did a great job. How about gracious words? I'm in the South, guys, so I can, this is just using our manners. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, excuse me, please, thank you. Please forgive me. Gracious words. How about kind words? You're so generous. You're so thoughtful. You're so considerate. How about tender words? For me, my wife's tender word for me is boo. She calls me boo. My tender word for her is I tell her that I adore her. Tender words. Men, you need to, you need to adopt some tender words. Shane, I spoke tenderly to her the day I married her. That's not enough. Adopt those tender words. How about forgiving words? I forgive you for. Many of you have had the wonderful privilege of walking through these words in these days, I hope, and I pray. If not, maybe you need to today. Choosing to forgive. How about thankful words? Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the way that you work to supply for our family. Thank you for the way that you manage the home and you do it well. Thank you for the way you pour into the lives of our children. So what are some keys to good communication? Keys to good communication. First of all, you want to make sure that you're seeking to be to understand, not to be understood. Seeking to understand, not to be understood. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Sometimes we can just get so caught up in what we want to say while not taping, taking the time to understand the other person. Do you know that that's why we can't remember other people's names? Because we shut them out. We're trying to think of what we're going to say next. I'll never forget when my dad said to me one day, he sat me down. I told him, I said, Dad, I, can't, I just can't remember people's names. 
His response to me sunk deep into me. He said, don't worry about that, son. That's okay. All you're saying to them is that they're, they're not important to you. Wow. Realize that you may not know what you think you know. You know, sometimes, guys, we just speak in a different language. Or sometimes we don't really say what we mean. How about don't interrupt? Don't interrupt. You ever tried to have a conversation with somebody that continually interrupts you when you're trying to speak? <laughs> Proverbs 18.13 says, He who answers before listening, that is folly and his shame. How about pay attention to nonverbal communication? Pay attention to your nonverbal communication. I just want you to know I love you. Really? You, you could have fooled me. Disagree without being disagreeable. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Disagree without being disagreeable. This again goes back to the tone of our voice. Pray for each other and with each other. Do you realize it is difficult to be angry with somebody when you pray for somebody? My wife, many, many years ago, was working at a law firm, and there was this one particular girl at this law firm that she didn't like at all with good cause. And so I counseled her, and I said, Honey, I'd like for you to begin to pray for her. And she goes, I don't want to pray for her. And I said, Exactly. Begin to pray for her. Some, some time comes, goes by, and we're having a conversation one day, and she begins to talk about this person with, with great delight. And I said, now, wait a minute. I thought you didn't like her. She goes, no, she's, she's a nice person. What changed? Nothing. She just began to pray for her. And all of a sudden, she began to look different to her. When you're wrong, admit it. When you're wrong, admit it. You remember, how many people watched Happy Days? Remember the Fonz? He couldn't say that. I'm woo, 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 woo. He just couldn't get those words out, right? And then when you're right, keep quiet. I understand you're, exact, you're glad about being, being right and you want to rejoice. Just do it quietly. Don't do a victory dance. Uh-huh. Right? Yield your rights. Yield your rights. This comes from a posture of humility and brokenness. Speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Proverbs 15.4 says, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 16.24 says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. 
So many times, guys, we, we filter people and their conversations through our preconceived ideas about them. Imagine that um, I came in today and, you know, Pastor John was just having a bad day. Um, he, he didn't get to eat his uh, Frosted Flakes like he likes every morning. And his, the pants that he wanted to wear weren't ironed. And it was just bad. And so he gets here and um, he, he walks in. And I said to him, man, tell me about those pants. I see, I like those pants. I want a pair just like them. But I said, tell me about those pants. Well, he responds to me, and he lets me have it. Because he's thinking, dude, why you got to make fun of my pants? I know they're not ironed, but you, you don't have to make fun of me. And he just lets me have it. Now, here's the question. Is there a conflict yet? No. What if my response to Pastor John was, brother, I just want you to know, I love you, and I thank you for sharing those things that you shared with me as you were talking to me just now. He just let me have it, right? I just want you to know I love you. Can I pray with you? And then I walk away. There was no conflict. Because see, it takes two to create a conflict. Now, if I responded back at him harshly like he spoke to me, there's a conflict. Now, let me ask you the question. Who created the conflict? I did. Which means if you ever find yourself in a conflict, you're the cause. Wow. Because if you would have responded with love and grace and peace, and in the Spirit, there would have been no conflict. And if we're not careful, because of my initial encounter with him, now every time he comes to me, I filter it through that. And because of my filtering, I create conflict. Because I assume that he has ill intent toward me. Many of you are in continual hurtful relationships with someone right now because you filter everything they say through a previous hurt. And that's not fair. What if Christ filtered this action in my life based on based on my past, I'd be in trouble. Many times we say, this relationship would be good if they would do this. Maybe the relationship would be much better if you would act like Christ. So let's talk about some rules of engagement in this thing called conversation. 
So many times when we get down the road in a conversation or an issue, we forget why we even began the conversation. Right? So what are some two assumptions that we must agree on? Two assumptions that we must agree on. Number one, the person is more important than the issue. I made the decision in this conversation that that Pastor John was more important to me than the issue at hand. And then secondly, it's more important to be reconciled than it is to be right. Some of you are the type of person that has to have the final word. If your life seems to be one drama after another, there's a common denominator in the drama. You. Tell me you love me. Lie if you have to. (laughs) All right. Rule of engagement, rule number one. It's okay to ask the question, how did this conversation start? Or why are we talking about this now? Tone of voice is a key factor here. We're not saying, how do we even start this conversation anyway? But it comes from a genuine heart of, I don't even remember why we started this. Let's, let's go back to the beginning. Why are we having this conversation? Rule number two, call for a timeout. Hold on. What I'm hearing you say to me is this. So many times what your spouse will say is, that's not at all what I'm saying. That's what I heard. And I'm basing the rest of our conversation on what I thought you meant rather than what you actually said. Rule number three. Who will run to the foot of the cross first? This is a good competition to have. Men, I want to really challenge you in this area because you're the spiritual leader in your home. Which means if you're in the middle of a conflict with your spouse and things are going downhill in a hurry, which by the way, statistically, chances are, most likely, within the next few days, you're going to be challenged with this. Why? You've learned new truth. And when you learn new truth, you're going to get an opportunity to live it out. Not new truth, just old truth. We're reliving is basically what we're learning. So here's what I'm going to challenge you, men. When things start getting heavy and, and voices begin to raise, and the conversation is going south, I want to challenge you, men, to do this. To humble yourself and say, honey, can I call for a timeout? Would it be okay if I stop us just a moment and pray? And then you begin to pray. And again, it's not prayers like, God, if you don't change this woman. But rather it's, Father, I believe that you brought the two of us together as one. And your goal is for oneness. And right now I see that going different directions. And so, God, we're asking for your grace. I want to respond in a heart of humility and brokenness. I want you to be the center of this conversation. I want this conversation to bring glory to you and not glory to ourselves. I need your help, God. Can you imagine 
how that would take the hot air out of many of our conversations. Now, men, you may be tested in this in the next two hours. Will you step up and man up and humble yourselves? Number four, rule number four. No significant, critical, or deep conversations after 10.30 p.m. Every man in the room is like, hallelujah. Um, usually it doesn't go well. Now, sometimes we have to have conversations late at night. My wife and I had to have one just a few nights ago because our schedule didn't permit anything else. We had to talk late at night. So, again, these rules are bendable, okay? They're nailed to the wall in jello. Okay. According to the, Academy, the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, lack of communication is the number one cause of all failed marriages. Top three issues in marriages as a result of poor communication, money, sex, and in-laws. But the common theme is always the same, poor communication. Communication takes time. It takes trust. It takes transparency. Here's our coffee talk. What do you need to do to improve on in the area of communication? What do you need to do to improve in the area of communication? And then what will you implement for change? Change. 